Hello, and thanks for joining us. This is Disruptors at Work, an integrated care podcast, where all of the topics will be with subject matter experts, practitioners and providers, leaders and managers who are implementing integrated health projects all over the world. I'm your host, Dr. Kara English. Okay. Thank you for inviting me, Cara. My name is Belinda Hodder. I'm a uh, certified nurse midwife uh, here at Willow Birth Center, Arizona. Um, I've been in midwifery for almost 22 years. Uh, It was a career change for me from being in the British Army. I was in the British Army for 10 years as a uh, nurse medic. And then um, after the birth of my first son, decided that midwifery was going to be my future. Mm-hmm. and uh, came out to America about 12 years ago. Um, had to relicense as a midwife, which I did. I went to Frontier University, which I currently got a doctoral, doctoral degree in uh, nursing from, and um, worked in the hospital setting here in Arizona for about six years, and then decided, along with Diana Ortega, uh, CNN, to open up a freestanding birth centre here in Mesa, and we've been open about approximately six years. We've done over... 1,000, 1,500 families have been served and we're currently looking to open two more new birthing birthing centre facilities. Thank you. That's a great um, introduction. Um, so tell us a little bit more about Willow because not everybody has been to a freestanding birth centre. Right, great. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, freestanding birth centre uh, is a birth centre which is not attached to a hospital uh, and usually has nothing to do with the hospital system. And they are freestanding and usually uh, run and owned by nurse midwives. What is a nurse midwife, you might ask? That's a nurse with a bachelor's degree who has gone back to school and got at least a master's and sometimes a doctoral degree in uh, nursing with a specialty in midwifery and women's health. Mm-hmm. Um, birth centers are important because um, in America currently, women, low-risk women, uh, not doing too well birthing in the hospital. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Um, firstly, the hospitals deliver something what's called populational-type healthcare. Populational-type healthcare isn't particularly good for mums and babies. That's because women need individual care for their individual need. And low-risk women, when they go into a populational-based healthcare um, system, is they'll get everybody gets treated exactly the same, and so uh, they're unable to have their individual needs met holistically and as a family culturally. So um, this doesn't really fare well for women, and we have literature to support that. Babies, however, wherever they're born, hospital, birth centre, home, they do pretty much the same anywhere. That means mortality, so um, death or um, or injury is the same wherever you have your baby and the outcomes from that is usually the same. That's what the science tells us. But for low risk women, and that would be healthy women with no chronic illness, one baby head down over 36 weeks pregnant, a pre-standing birth center or alongside birth center or home birth is actually where they do better as long as they're with trained providers who are educated up to uh, national uh, board accreditation, which all our midwives are. We're able to see women uh, uh, and the family as more of a holistic approach. We see less clients. We, we don't have the stress of the high-risk caseloads. We're able to identify a holistic approach to each family and their needs. 
Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. I, I often get a lot of questions because as a perinatal mental health um, specialist, I'm one of the very few, I think, behavioral health providers who've ever worked in an integrated setting in a birth center. Um, and certainly I don't know very many colleagues who work in an integrated way within obstetrics or gynecology or women's health at all, which is one of the reasons that at CGI, I started the Women's Health Integrated Behavioral Health Certificate, which you and Diane are now enrolled in and, and taking with us. Um, so can you talk a little bit about why integrated behavioral health or maternal mental health is important to you at Willow? Yeah, I can, absolutely. I have a great passion to the postpartum, postpartum period, really. It is uh, very poorly cared for generally in the United States, generally actually worldwide, but more so in the United States, even considered the Cinderella service. What do I mean about that? Is that whilst a woman's pregnant, everybody's all focused on the fetus and the baby and making sure they're growing well, making sure there's no chronic illness. The mother so much kind of, you know, just as long as she's well enough to carry the baby. But as soon as the baby's born, there's a kind of a gap in care. No one's really looking after them as a dyad. So uh, the baby will go to the pediatrician who knows nothing about breastfeeding, does knows nothing about maternal mental health. And the, mo the mother will go to the physician or prime provider at six weeks postpartum, you know, oh, I feel down, but you're not bleeding, your blood pressure looks good. They're not really addressing uh, anything other than those physical complications of a woman. Right. And postnatal depression, postnatal anxiety, perinatal maternal mood, and, uh, mood disorders actually affect women throughout their lifespan mm -hmm. postpartum and affect the way they bond with their children, affect the way they mother, affect the way they are with their partners, um, affects the way they can go back to the workplace. Um, it's fully inclusive and we're doing a really disjustice to women postpartum by not providing services to help women um, during this transition and this vulnerable time when if they've had trauma in their past life or they've had anxiety in their past life. Sometimes this sort of stuff doesn't come out until you have that transition, that vulnerability of bearing a new baby and that baby then caring for it. And all of a sudden, you know, there may be some trauma from your past that you didn't realize. There may be, your relationship may be not where you think it needs to be. You may have depression that you poo-pooed or treated yourself with, with occasional glass of wine or whatever. Yep. prior to having a baby then once you have the baby all this extra pressure is put on you to be this this you know to get back into your size eight genes mm -hmm. to be this perfect breastfeeding goddess mm -hmm. to be able to you know to go back to work ridiculously in this country two four weeks after you've had a baby that your baby is like meeting all its milestones that you're doing everything the pediatrician's telling you to do so it's no wonder that women in this country are suffering anxiety, depression, insecurity, postpartum, because there's no, there's no services there to help them. So when we opened up the birth center, there was something that we really were always interested in. I've always had a passionate passion for it. And over the years, you know, I've always done a lot of counseling. I've done a lot of adult days here training, adult days training there, but I don't really have a certificate that says to me, yes, you are a behavioral health provider. And I think for credibility for uh, the women, I, I, you know, I, that's why I embarked on the certificate. 
Yeah. And I, I think you're right. I think a lot of the training that we get as clinicians over time, if we don't have a certificate or some sort of credential, then people question the validity of, of how much yeah. training we've had. And that's similar with perinatal mental health. Postpartum Support International has the two-day training and then the advanced trainings, which you know we've done, but then they offer the perinatal yeah. mental health certificate for that reason. So moving into that, um, I'm so glad that you and Diane are, are pioneering the integration behavioral health women's health certificate for for us at cgi because partnering with you two um, as owners of willow and and being able to you know do integration as a birth center really taught me a lot as a provider that helped me teach my students um, you know who are doctor of behavioral health students so yeah integration that's sorry i messed up it so that's the thing the integration is 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 really important um you know mental health is often the red-headed stepchild right because mm -hmm. it's seen as a sign of weakness as a sign of um craziness or whatever you know years ago women used to be locked up for being hysterical hysteria women have always been considered hysterical hysteria very um degrading words towards women and their mental health mm -hmm. and for us you know we need to remove those barriers so what integration gives you and it gives you a, a one door opening. So that means they come in one stop shop. They're able to come into somewhere where they feel safe. They've met their midwives. They've got a relationship with us. And if we can pick up on a Edinburgh, Edinburgh scale tool, or if they're showing any other signs of, you know, anxiety in their pregnancy, we're able to say, you know, we have services in house who mm -hmm. providers who work with us, they're integrated with us. And uh, it's able for the clients to build that trust initially straight away with the health, mental health provider because they think, wow, uh, Belinda knows them, Diane knows them, you know, Wendy knows them, so they must be good people because these are good people. That's the, that's the idea for the client. And also we're able to get face-to-face -face that day, break that barrier down. But I think it brings a lot to the practice as well. It brings a lot for the behavioral health therapist and it brings a lot for the um, uh, the, the maternal provider because what happens is, you know, we're going our own lanes and Sometimes we kind of give the same advice, but we don't really understand each other's roles or how we can roll, work together, uh, you know, work smarter, not harder. So exactly. we're able to work smarter together. We're able to use the same electronic record. We're able to chart in the same record so I can flick back and see what you actually said. You could flick back, see what my worries are. And also you're able to, um, that learning of each other goes back and forwards and yeah. so you i my providers come way more confident in providing maternal mental health advice and then the behavioral therapists are like oh well you could have a breastfeeding problem here let me just see if i can run blender up here maybe that's actually what's causing your anxiety so yep. we're able to um, integrate the two services and really look at the whole client holistically and i think uh what people don't understand about integration is it's it's beneficial for not just the client but right. also for the for the behavioral therapists and the maternal th uh, providers and then also for the community at large yeah. because community at large is going to say oh they have mental health behavioral th th providers in willow oh well my sister-in-law's got a mental health issue postpartum they should poo pooed and it's kind of breaking down those bias in waves in our community as well so i think integration is only ever beneficial. I don't see any negatives to it, really. Yeah, and of course, the, the literature strongly backs it up from clinical, operational, and financial yeah. perspectives. And, and we know that, but we know there are some you know, billing barriers from time to time. 
one of the best things I think from working with you and Diane is that you were both willing to just jump in instead of saying, well, you know, we'll have to figure out every, where every penny and dime is going. We'll try this and we'll see how it goes. And we really worked together. We were patient. We worked through a lot of billing challenges. And, and now we're at the point where we're actually advocating for, you know, some bundled billing or some extended and, and increase of pay for the behavioral health specialists in integrated perinatal settings because we've had to escalate it to that level because sometimes the state thinks if we use the word integrated, then people are getting paid. But then right. when we're in a meeting with the state with providers and the state Medicaid CMO and, and that person is saying, well, we integrated years ago, it's supposed to be fine. And the providers are saying, but it isn't, we're not actually getting paid. Um, and then we can, you know, kind of escalate it up the chain. So it's been interesting from a clinical perspective, which is, was really my jam from the beginning, but then we figured out some stuff that even the state didn't know. So that's and that's, correct. and that's correct. And you know what what we can see in the literature is women and families are served correctly in those early days. We can prevent mm -hmm. a lot of the more serious um, situations, which are which which are costly to the country. But right. also, you know, you can't. There's costs you can't capture. Right. If a woman is has a has a parental mood disorder or anxiety or depression, she's less likely to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That baby's more likely to have admission to hospital, mm -hmm. can have increased risk of diabetes, um, immune suppression now is coming out of it, hearing difficulties. And those, all those situations can be reduced, yeah. not cured completely, but reduced by a woman breastfeeding. Right. So... And also a woman can have increased, you know, is less chance of breast cancer, osteoporosis is reduced, uh, type two diabetes is reduced by breastfeeding. So all these chronic um, longevity diseases, you know, are related to breastfeeding and then breastfeeding is related to you know, how a woman's feeling mentally postpartum. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can hit, fix that, then she, maybe she will breastfeed. Right. You know, maybe uh, she will connect really good with her, her child and you know be be able to um you know cope with the child better get the child vaccinated there's links with depression and vaccination mm -hmm. depression and pediatrician visits because the mother feels so unable to function as she should do some of this early childhood early, early childhood um problems ha happen and also like speech development you know less likely to interact with their baby less speech slower to sp talk baby has to go to have you know speech therapy all that is costly you know right. and right. affects on the child's ability to integrate with his friends might not achieve where he needs to achieve in school might not become a, at the level he needs to work at as an adult so all the all it's it's i think the payers just look at right that like that point they don't see the longevity of the work right. the way we're in yeah, that's a really, that's a really important point that I think most people who are advocating for integration often feel like they shouldn't have to say what all of those, you know, complicated long term costs are that it's just the right thing to do so we should do it. But at CGI, we always talk about you have to you have to calculate the the return on the investment or the medical loss ratio. Yeah, you have to be able to tell the story through costs and data, and that's one of the things I love about working with you and Belinda is that you know you are, you and Diane is just that you know the three of us together always have plenty of information about the data and that we're not afraid to calculate the costs and put it to paper. 
So one of the things too, I, I kind of wanted to bring up, we recently presented um, in Chicago at the ACNM National Conference, which was definitely a highlight for me because I, you know, in a, in a room full of midwives, which, you know, I'm used to being part of a team of midwives, but not teaching to a room full of midwives. Um, it was, it was clear how interested all of, all of the professionals were in behavioral health integration. Right. And it really just validated what I was, you know, seeing and, and the experience that I've always had working with midwives here in Arizona, you know, because as a nation, we have this maternal morbidity and mortality issue that we continue to see it increasing. And, you know, we have the highest maternal mortality rate of any of the high resource countries. And we are the only country outside of Afghanistan and Sudan where the rate is rising. Um, and at least half of maternal deaths are preventable and more than half of those maternal deaths, especially in the first year postpartum, the highest cause of death is suicide and substance abuse overdose. So we know that through behavioral health integration and you know everything that you were mentioning as far as prevention and being able to catch issues early and act very quickly, maybe, you know, sometimes even same day or same moment, we know that we can reduce a lot of those disparities for moms. But I also think it's important, you know, for, for us to really appreciate the role of the midwife, you know, the community midwife, um, in, in having a major role to play in reducing maternal morbidity and mortality. Yeah, I like to call it when, I, when I'm teaching my colleagues, I call it the catch, act, support system. So we're going to catch it as soon as we can. We're going to act on it. And as you said, many times, you know, there are, where there are areas where we can put support systems in and then continue to support and monitor. And there's actually a study done in the UK that said that seven out of 10 suicidal deaths could have been prevented mm -hmm. if they'd had a catch, act, support system in place. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, they have acted on that. They had recent legislation and they've, they've got a lot, a lot of new um, um, resources over there for, for women in the in United Kingdom. In America, unfortunately, a lot of the suicides are not even captured in some states. I mean, I don't know which states aren't capturing it, but I'm going to investigate. But I know that some states don't capture after something like 45 days mm -hmm. um, postpartum. Um, so if, it, if a woman dies, anything after that is not even captured. So where we are with maternal death mm -hmm. and it's high rates were actually higher than that it is than that again and if you're uh, if you're a woman of color or a black woman in america that level is even higher again so um they're four times more likely to die mm -hmm. and, being and that's black, just in the state of arizona and in, in other states it, it, it's up to 11 times higher yeah and well being black in america is where the fifth riskiest being black and pregnant in america is the fifth fifth riskiest job in the nation mm -hmm. So, you know, a police officer, things like that are behind you, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and I think that's one of the things women like so much about coming to the birth center and, and coming to Willow is that we get that and, and we're not afraid to validate that for moms right. and, and discuss their fears about being black and pregnant in the United States, or, you know, a woman and pregnant in the United States at this time is a scary thing. Women are you know, I, I know pregnant women who are terrified about how they're going to feed their child if they aren't able to breastfeed because of the formula shortage right now. Um, and so, you know, I feel like as a group and, and as a, as a multidisciplinary team of providers, you know, you mentioned the catch act and then support system. We are filling that support system 
where sometimes women have no other supports available. And that's truly something that I don't think a lot of people have a concept for why, how, just how important that is. But if you go back to the social determinants of, of health and, yes. and death, yes. you're looking at the potential to keep someone alive simply by having a peer support or a person who, Correct. you know, will sit, listen, and validate for 15 minutes. Or even having, you know, call your uncle midwife or, yeah. uh, you know, peer support. I, we have a, a peer support group within Willow, you know, uh, run by our mom. So, you know, we can, we can do that just, or sometimes it's just using a breastfeeding clinic or it could be a parenting clinic or it could be get them set up down at WIC. So they're helping them with their feeding needs, mm-hmm. put, put them to a breast milk sharing group, yeah. things like that. Although, not directly mental uh, mental health writers that that um, tribe mentality all in it together we know from science and from the literature that that helps women and women do particularly well in that community yeah uh, women are naturally geared towards the social group yes yeah. as a problem solving mechanism so that's very helpful um i also wanted to um you know just give you a space to talk a little bit about your plans for opening a mom and baby unit and if you could tell a little bit about you know how that how that kind of came onto your radar because some people i don't think a lot of people in the united states know what a mom and baby unit is and certainly I don't think a lot of people in the United States also know what it looks like when a mom here, it has a psychotic episode and is brought to a psychiatric unit and you know what that is like for her. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot, a lot of layers involved in this really kind of wasn't just a wake up one morning. It, it's always been something that's been layering on through my career as a midwife in the UK during my training. Initially, I did work a short placement in a mom and baby unit and um, that I suppose let my love for postpartum care mm-hmm. and the understanding that some women really do have these needs. And I think what they highlighted to me there was what we don't realize, what we realize, but what generally people don't realize is one, you have a, you know, uh, depression or anxiety once you've had your baby that you kind of lose confidence in your ability to mother. And that the bit is bit is difficult. You can get all the help you can, you know, um, going to get medication, but you need somebody to rebuild you because these women are often, when they have psychosis, are taken down to their raw, raw bones and you've got to layer the skin back on. So fast long story 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 you know fast forward a million years 20 years whatever and um i working at willow i'm seeing the integration i'm seeing it working well but i still feel like where where are we going with this when we do have somebody with a psychosis episode what what is open to us or not even let's get to them before they're psychotic let's get to them like they're not psychotic but you know unless we get some action right now you know and the support they need and their support needs to be an inpatient where we can give them support observation supervision and rebuild them yeah and they need to be with their babies because the thing is there's no point in healing a mother away from a baby because you've put her straight back to a baby and she's not really healed because she doesn't know how to mother right. um, and that can happen to second time mums as well is that they can lose that ability to mother and and sometimes 
they're more vulnerable because they just got through the first one. Then the second one comes and they go, they've been a mother before, they're fine, but they just skated through the first time. Maybe their mother-in-law was around. Maybe they had a sister or a friend that helped them. This time they don't have that. They have a toddler, they're feeling awful and they got this new baby. So, you know, myself, well, the three of us, you know, it was this was distressing for us. You know, I have attended a mental health unit to go and see a client who had a psychotic episode and, there was no way that she was getting where she needed to be in that place, separated from a baby. It was, it was full of women with serious mental illness, long-standing chronic mental illness, and there was no providers with a speciality in perimental, perimental health. Like there was nobody with a speciality there. In fact, they were coming to me yeah. to ask me how to help her, and I was like, "Well, do you have like a space where she can bring a baby?" They were like, right. "No, we." Can't ABC and no baby couldn't even visit, couldn't even see a child. Right. So I think um, I think the pendulum swims swings and right now America is realizing that women are dying unnecessarily in the hospital before they have the baby, in the hospital having their baby, and out of the hospital postpartum. And I did notice, you know, even in the birth center, some of our clients, even though they have all this support, needed a little bit more. Yeah. And we just don't have that to give them, like a dedicated outpatient service, which has midwives in it, as well as behavioral health therapists. How amazing would that be? You yeah. know, a midwife that could do a counseling and breastfeeding at the same time. Yeah. You know, maybe they wouldn't need an inpatient placement because we're able to get them to the outpatient setting which we can bring babies to and mm -hmm. absolutely and I I think you know as we talk about this with other providers I, what what we hear is oh my god that's that's amazing that's so much of a need and yet there are so few who are actually you know willing and able to take on the risk and the work that it that it takes you know to develop something new but fortunately we don't have those I think, I can't remember who said it at the conference. I think somebody said it. You have to be brave sometimes. Mm -hmm. You just have to be brave. And we have to know this is the right thing to do. Yeah. And um, we can worry about the other stuff, like paying for it. Right. <laughs> Another right. way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I and I think that's always figure outable. You know, the finances, those are always figure outable. But yeah. unfortunately, the finances is, and I understand, you know, we have to keep our doors open. But at the same time, we can figure this out. And, and yeah, we sometimes can. we have to build the plane while we're flying it in order, you know, to, to really get that prevention on board. And what was really interesting in the UK, I don't remember if you remember talking to them, just as we were leaving, we, spent to the, we spoke to the guy um, from... Oh, yeah, from Italy. Mm -hmm. From Italy. And uh, we were talking about everything. And I said, you know, provide, you know us as providers are having to uh, go up and move, and move um, access and legislation. And she said, and he said, that's what they had to do as well. In the end, the providers were the ones that had to do it. And I think we've been relying too much on business people or you know legislators we need to go up there and say no this is what we need we Absolutely. need to be stopping them now we need to be on the committees they got people on the committees who don't know what they're talking about and yep. and i understand that we've all been like trying to do our work but now we have to do that because it's, yeah. it's not been fast enough and so that's where we need to be we need to be no this is what we need we're the experts you're not telling us how we need to do things yeah. this, we are the absolute experts in this Realm. We're the experts in out-of-hospital birth. We're the expert in community care. We're the expert in um, community mental health for, for mothers mm -hmm. and families. We're the experts, and you have to listen to us. I think we, it's time that we did that. We're, you know, we, we've been too back, too back, too much doing yeah. the service. Mm -hmm. 
I totally agree. And, and, you know, the, the policy piece of it is just something, as you know, I've been diving into a little bit deeper in the past year with 2020 mom and the fourth trimester Arizona group. And, you know, we were able to get a resolution for Arizona to have maternal mental health awareness month in May, which has been great because it, you know, it puts that legislative eye on the problem. So now the next step is that we're going to be forming a coalition around maternal mental health and, and women's health in general in the state of Arizona. And we're going to be talking about that at the fourth trimester summit um, in September. Um, and what we're hoping is to create an action plan for the state that involves the Department of Health Services, the state Medicaid office, you know, and all of the providers who want to be at the table because they are stakeholders. So we'll Correct. see how that goes, but you're, you're totally, you know, nail, uh, hammer on the nail with just the idea that providers really have taken a, a back seat to policy and legislation around health. And then the insurance companies want to do only what is profitable. And Correct. it leaves all of us as human beings who need quality care at the bottom of the pile. So, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Belinda. It's been always a pleasure to talk with you and hopefully we'll have um, another opportunity coming soon to maybe provide an update on how it's going with the uh, ongoing integration at Willow. Thank you, Cara. Pleasure as always and forwards and upwards and all good things. Absolutely. Talk soon. Thank you. Bye.